Good morning. So good to be with all of you this morning as we begin the journey that is the season of Advent. As you can see, we've changed the vestment colors to purple for this season of expectation and looking forward uh, to the big celebration that comes at the end of that season, the celebration of Christmas. Uh, as always, it is a joy to join you in worship this morning. Uh, once again, we have the heat on, which feels great. I can even see some of you are wearing purple. You are so prepared, so cool. So I'm excited to join us in worship today. We're going to begin by lighting the first candle on our Advent wreath. Unfortunately, due to fire code, we can't use real candles. So, of course, that's good for safety, but it kind of takes away a little bit of the dramatic effect of lighting a candle with a real flame. But the beauty and power of the Advent wreath is all of the themes that the candles represent. So, based on your tradition, uh, you may have heard uh, sermons preached on the different candles representing characters from the Christmas story. Uh, other uh, traditions will attach a theme to each of the candles. Uh, for example, hope is usually referred to as the first theme of the first candle. And they uh, fill in this circle of light that by the end is a full circle. We light, light the candles consecutively over the course of the season. And lastly, reserve the center candle, the Christ candle, for either a Christmas Eve service or Christmas Sunday, uh, which to this year, Christmas is on a Sunday. So it's pretty exciting. Uh, so that is the beauty of the Advent wreath as we enter into the season. Uh, let us think today and reflect on the theme of hope, something I'll be talking about more in the message later. Let's begin with our first hymn, Come Thou Fount of Every Blessing. We're not always sure what we should do. But according to God, 
Stir up your power, Lord Christ, and come. By your merciful protection, save us from the threatening dangers of our sins, and enlighten our walk in the way of your salvation. For you live and reign with the Father and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. And now for our first reading of Scripture. first lesson comes from the book of Isaiah. <clears throat> a little background, Isaiah, <laughs> rather complicated book. Uh, some talk of it as being three books, Isaiah 1, 2, and 3. Isaiah is believed to have written the first 33 chapters, and he was a prophet. Now, being a prophet was not always a good thing. Being a prophet, had to, you had to do two things. You had to go where God wanted you to go, and you had to say what God wanted you to say. And that meant you were often telling people the things that were doing wrong. I don't know, if you're like me, you don't necessarily like to be told you're doing things wrong. <laughs> so, so prophets were not always uh, told those things. Uh, on the other hand, prophets also gave good news and promises about the future. And we think of Isaiah writing this in about the year 700 B.C. Uh, a lot was going on, a lot of fighting. Uh, Israel was kind of caught between the Babylonians and the Assyrians on the northeast and uh, Egypt on the southwest. So uh, there's a lot of war going on. So this is the time for promises. So Isaiah 2, 1-5, the future house of God. The word that Isaiah, son of Amos, saw concerning Judah and Jerusalem. In the days to come, the mountains of the Lord's house shall be established as the highest of the mountains, and shall be raised above the hills. All the nations shall stream to it. Many people shall come and stay. Come, let us go to the mountain of the Lord, to the house of the God of Jacob, that he may teach us his ways and that we may walk in his paths. For out of Zion shall go forth instruction, and the word of the Lord from Jerusalem. He shall judge between the nations, and shall arbitrate for many people. They shall beat their swords into plowshares, and their spears into pruning hooks. Nations shall not lift up swords against nation, neither shall they learn war any more. O house of Jacob, Come, let us walk in the light of the Lord. The word of the Lord. Thank you, God. Our lectionary psalm comes from Psalm 122, reading responsibly. I was glad when they said to me, Let us go to the house of the Lord. Jerusalem, built as a city that is bound firmly together. As was decreed for Israel to give thanks to the name of the Lord. 
Pray for the peace of Jerusalem. May they prosper who love you. Peace within your walls and security within your house. For the sake of my relatives and friends, I will say, Peace be within you. For the sake of the house of the Lord our God, I will seek your good. And now continuing with our next hymn, O Little Town of Bethlehem. According to Matthew, the 24th chapter. Glory to you, O Lord. But about that day and hour, no one knows, neither the angels of heaven nor the Son, but only the Father. For as the days of Noah were, so will be the coming of the Son of Man. For as in those days before the flood they were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage, until the day Noah entered the ark. And they knew nothing until the flood came and swept them all away. So too will be the coming of the Son of Man. 
Then two will be in the field, one will be taken and one will be left. Two women will be grinding meal together, one will be taken and one will be left. Keep awake, therefore, for you do not know on what day your Lord is coming. But understand this, if the owner of the house had known in what part of the night the thief was coming, he would have stayed awake and would not have let his house be broken into. Therefore you also must be ready, for the Son of Man is coming at an unexpected hour. The Gospel of our Lord. Praise to you, Lord Christ. Today, we enter the season of Advent. Advent has a long history in the Church, and the season is one of expectation and preparation. Each week, we light candles on the Advent wreath, we sing songs, we read texts of Scripture, all of which are meant to lean us into the future. We look forward to one of the highest and most celebrated days in the Church calendar year, the day of Christmas. And as we enter this Advent season in the year 2022, we enter with a lectionary text written a few millennia ago by a Hebrew prophet named Isaiah. In Isaiah chapter 2, we read five verses, and in those verses, the prophet painted a picture of the future that God was giving his vision to fill with, a future filled with hope. What I want to do today is walk through some of the images of that picture that God gave the prophet Isaiah and see how it can encourage and uplift and challenge, as Bill pointed out. We don't always want to be told things we don't want to hear. I confess that's true for me too. But this passage is a powerful one for us to hear today. In the lectionary reading we read, Out of Zion shall go forth instruction and the word of the Lord from Jerusalem. From our vantage point in history, we can look back through the lens of Jesus and see how this verse reveals God's heart in bringing a, a Savior. God did bring instruction. And the word of the Lord did come from Jerusalem. As Jesus walked through the city streets and all over the surrounding countryside, teaching, speaking, praying, healing, delivering, and proclaiming the kingdom of God. And then in verse 4, we read about the transformative power of God's kingdom. Isaiah wrote these words, They, that is the citizens of the kingdom of God, they shall beat their swords into plowshares, their spears into pruning hooks. Nations shall not lift up sword against nation, neither shall they learn war anymore. What a powerful line. Neither shall they learn war anymore. God grants Isaiah a vision of a new kingdom where any tool of violence is transformed into a tool for agriculture. And this isn't the only place that we read things like this in the Bible. Isaiah is not the only prophet to cast this kind of vision from God's inspiration to God's people. There are numerous places in the prophetic books where God uses a prophet to paint a picture with words of what God's kingdom looks like. Hypothetically, we could update the symbols in this text for the 21st century and say that God will transform tanks into tractors, guns into garden rakes, and missiles into grain silos. In God's kingdom, 
The essence of the kingdom is life and wholeness, not violence, not conflict, not darkness. God speaks to you and me through Isaiah to say, this is what my kingdom looks like. Weapons of death and darkness are transformed into tools of life and light. Just reflecting on this personally, I find this a profoundly compelling vision. It speaks to me in a powerful, amazing way. As I read these verses, and I've read them before, I found myself saying, I want that. I desire a world where violence and war and injustice and darkness are simply dead. I desire a world where people thrive in health and relationships and who create beauty. This is a compelling passage to read on the first Sunday of the season of Advent. Because we're preparing to celebrate the birth of Jesus. That is such a special event to celebrate. And Advent is a season reminding the church that one day, God will make all things new. God will make all wrongs right. God has promised this through visions like this one. So we enter Advent knowing what we're going to celebrate on Christmas Day, but it's not only about that. It's also about what God continues to make happen today and what he invites us to join in, knowing what kind of kingdom God has. Many, many Christians throughout history have heard and received this compelling vision of God's kingdom, but they've slid into the trap of thinking that this vision is about escaping the present for that hopeful future. The visions that God communicated through the prophets, the visions God communicated through his own voice in Jesus, the visions God continued to give to saints across centuries of church history, these visions are not an invitation to escape the present. They're invitations to act and live in such a way that leans into those visions right here and right now, in the living present. Now some of you might be thinking, but how do we know that, Sam? How do we know that that's what these amazing visions are for? Well, Isaiah said it himself in verse 5. O house of Jacob, come, let us walk in the light of the Lord. Come, let us walk in the light of the Lord. Isaiah is not saying, let me tell you a vision of what God will do one day so you can sit back, relax, and escape to the future. The visions God gives are meant to be a direct impact through you and me on the here and now. God paints a picture through Isaiah of a world without violence, a world without weapons, a world without war. God paints other pictures of his kingdom all over the scriptures. God paints pictures of a kingdom where all people are treated, truly treated equally, regardless of any demographic category they may fall into. God paints pictures of a kingdom where the one rule of all things is love. God paints a picture of a kingdom where cultures and languages and beauty from around the world are embraced in profound unity. God paints a picture of a kingdom where there are no more people living on margins, where margins don't exist, where no one is hungry, no one is abused, no one is wounded or harmed. I don't know about you, but that sounds amazing. Amen? amen. Normally I say amen at the end, but I'm not done yet. 
So, buckle up, friends. If that's God's kingdom, I want that. I long for that. When Jesus showed up, and we will celebrate that in a few weeks, he came as God among us to paint the fullest, most clear picture of that kingdom. He said all over the place, the kingdom of God is like, and he filled that in with so many beautiful images. He also said it with every action and every step that he took. Everything about Jesus teaches us about this kingdom, because Jesus is the king of that kingdom. Even his birth in a manger proclaims the kingdom of God. So what do we do with this compelling vision? That's a great question. Three invitations to help us lean into that invitation are invitations that I want us to consider today. First, we are invited to be witnesses to hope. Hope is what that first candle on the Advent wreath represents. What does that mean? We witness to our hope by living our life planted on our hope. This doesn't mean we'll always be happy or always be cheerful or always be optimistic. We go again to the life of Jesus. Jesus cried. We can cry. Jesus grieved. We can grieve. Jesus lamented. We can lament. We can hold all those things in our hearts and souls while at the same time clinging to the vision of hope that God has given us. Living in hope doesn't deny pain and suffering now. It shapes how we walk through pain and suffering now. Both our own pain and suffering and the pain and suffering of others. So our first invitation is to simply bear witness to our hope. Second, we're invited to be peacemakers. What does it mean to be a peacemaker? We have power. Regardless of our season of life, our physical capabilities, our access to resources or finances or influence, regardless of any of that, we have power. It's up to us to decide what we do with the power that we are given. When we choose to lean into this vision of a world of peace, it requires us to learn the skills of peacemaking. In his Sermon on the Mount, in Matthew 5, Jesus said, Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the children of God. So how do I become a peacemaker? Well, fortunately for us, we had a great teacher. Jesus' life is the prime example of being a peacemaker. You'll notice that it did not mean that Jesus always agreed with everyone, or even got along with everyone. Jesus made peace by restoring broken people. Jesus made peace by teaching and leading people into greater depths of love and compassion. Jesus saw people as human beings made in the image of God, and that's really step one for being a peacemaker. You have to see every human being as an image bearer of God. Everyone Jesus saw, he saw that way. In order for you and me to be makers of peace, we need to have our vision transformed into the vision of Jesus. We need to see people the way Jesus sees people. Third invitation is to be love givers. The kingdom of God is built on love. The great commandment is built on love. In one of his letters, the Apostle John writes that God 
is love. And in his poetic chapter on love in 1 Corinthians 13, Paul says, Faith, hope, and love remain, but the greatest of these is love. Love is the essence of our purpose in this life. God is love. You and I were made to receive God's love and to give God's love. And humanity was made to become love. It's the beginning, middle, and end of our story. So one of the best questions that you can ask yourself this week to apply this third invitation is how well am I doing at receiving and giving love? How well am I doing at receiving and giving love? My hope and prayer is that these compelling visions of God's kingdom will help us do what Isaiah said in verse 5, to walk in the light. May we, may we be witnesses to hope, makers of peace, and givers of love. Amen? Amen. Let's continue our service of worship with our next hymn, O Come, O Come, Emmanuel.
you to join me in our confession of faith, the Apostles' Creed. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, Creator of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, His only Son, our Lord. He was conceived by the power of the Holy Spirit and born of the Virgin Mary. He suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended into hell. On the third day he rose again. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Christian Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting.
across centuries of history. And so we thank you, Lord, as we lift these prayers to you, we place them at your feet, and we pray them in Jesus' name. Amen. And now, praying the prayer Jesus taught us to pray. Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. And now for our final hymn, Rejoice, the Lord is King. Thank you, God.